This episode of the Rock in a Hard Place podcast brought to you by Tweaked Audio at tweakedaudio.com. Use the code HARDPLACE when making your purchase, and you get a nice fat discount and support this podcast. That's tweakedaudio.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rock in a Hard Place podcast. My name is Chris. I am one of the hosts here, as well as a DJ with Broken FM. You can check us out online at broken.fm. Joining me today is not Paul Gibson. Uh, Paul, as most of you know, if you if you don't know, then you haven't been paying much attention to the podcast lately. But uh, Paul and his wife and new baby daughter are getting ready to move to Nashville uh, she got a teaching job at a university back there. And so as they are trying to pare down their, uh, their amount of stuff, uh, one of the ways they're doing that is via garage sale. And that's what Paul is doing right now. He is sitting in a lawn chair in his driveway trying to convince other people to buy his stuff. So there you go. But joining me, I'm not running solo today. Joining me today is a friend of mine. He is also a co-worker at Broken FM, and he has the daunting task of being our hardcore aficionado. His name is Dustin. What's up, my man? What's going on, guys? I'm Dustin. I'm 21 years old. Uh, I've been with Broken FM for about two years now, two and a quarter, something like that. Um, I love heavy music. That's who I am. There you go. Um, I... I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm happy to talk about heavy music, aficionado, use fancy words. I, I mean, <laughs> call it whatever you want. Um, I, I, I just want you guys to be on the same page with me. I want to be on the same page with all of you. Um, I love music inside and out. We were just talking about Destin Ken, Ken's roof from Thrice. Uh, we were talking about Toby Mac and his record label doing some weird stuff. Um, and I love music. And for me... Music is a form of worship, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people in the heavy scene, um, it's the same for them. Yeah. Whether whether they be Christian or not, whether they be um, part of the Christian scene or just go to secular shows to hang out and have fun, the heavy scene is a group of, of really close-knit guys. I know most of the people in Santa Rosa involved with it. I know most of the people in the area, um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. So I had to be here. I don't know where you want me to start. No, well, um, but, we'll we'll just we'll begin the conversation. It's kind of it's kind of how it works. Um, as you can tell, Dustin is very passionate about what he does, and that's awesome. That makes him a, a tremendous asset uh, to the Broken FM family, especially when you're dealing with hardcore. And I think that's part of what we're going to discuss is the fact that a lot of hardcore listeners are really, really passionate um, about the music that they listen to. Now, you'll find passionate people. In just about every genre of music. I mean, I know people that are flat out passionate about country music. I know people who are passionate about jazz or classical or, you know, pretty much whatever they listen to. I'm passionate about rock, but not to that same degree that a lot of other people are passionate about their particular styles. Um, Dustin, why, what is it about hardcore that inspires that passion. I think the number one thing for everybody in the scene is honesty. 
You're not going to find a hardcore band out there who isn't going to tell you the truth. Now, their version of the truth may not be the truth, but they are going to tell you what they think. And I think that's something that was rooted in the punk, the punk roots of the genre, um, of being the rebellious, anti-government, anti-religion side of things. Um, you can read article after article online about how heavy metal is evil and how everybody in the scene worships Satan. <laughs> like, it's just... It, it's a, it's a fact that it has the least amount of religious people in it than, right. than any genre. And I think that's because of the draw to it. it. There's honesty there. There's rebellion there. There's, I don't know, it, the, the vocals itself just carries emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, that's what first attracted me to the scene. Gotcha. Um, when I was younger, my, my parents divorced when I was 10, um, my my mom was working full time. She was never around. My dad, um, he was working in construction, and he uh, actually had an accident where he was left lifting some concrete. Uh, his boss had him do it. He ruptured three of the discs discs in his spine. Um, three or four back surgeries later, a year of being on the on his back, not even being able to walk, being an immense immense amount of physical pain, uh, painkillers. Uh, he turned to alcohol and became very physically abusive. Um, during that time, uh, my, my great grandmother and my great grandfather, two people that I look up to more than anyone else in my life, um, they were going to a local church and they invited me to come out with them. And I got involved with their youth group in, in middle school and those connections, mm-hmm. um, along with being able to, to, as life got tougher and tougher and tougher. And the music I listened to went from, it went from Reliant K to Thousand Foot Crutch, to Old School Skillet, songs like Open Wounds, songs like, um, I guess Open Wounds is the only one I can think of off the top of my head, that album that they had, um, onto Under Oath, and, and just heavier and heavier music. Because the emotion there, it, it carried a weight. But the same weight that was in my, my own soul, the same weight that was within me, it carried that weight, and it actually encouraged me to press forward. Um, under Earth has an album called Define the Great Line. The final track on that, on that album is called To Whom It May Concern. At 14 years old, I felt like that song was written for me. He, he says, press on, press on. Uh, my feet are scarred with the same wounds that you have, but you, could, you, but you, can, make, you can make it, basically. Just, just press on. And that, that kept me pushing forward. And through that, God, God was able to speak to me. Mm-hmm. He was able to speak into my life and show me, hey, I, I'm real. Um, Something something bad happened one uh, for the, the second time actually, um, and and I just I, I had had enough. I called out to God. I said, "Get me out, or or I end it. I, I can't take any more of this." Um, within three days, one of the one of the guys in the youth group, a senior in high school. So don't underestimate your young. You're young because they're going to reach out to each other and they're going to encourage each other, especially in the church. And they're going to love on each other. Uh, he was a senior in high school. I was a freshman in high school. He reached out to me. And he said, look, something's wrong. Tell me what's going on. So I told him, he said, all right, I can't do anything about this, but I'm going to find a way to do something. I'm, I'm going to go file a report at the police station. I was living up in Cloverdale, Cloverdale at the time. It's a little small town of like 10,000 people. Um, High school is like 400 kids in it. He goes to the local police station. He files a report. A couple of days later, a sheriff shows at my doorstep. Uh, sheriff talks to me for about an hour. 
And he was the first person to tell me like, hey, this this isn't right. Because when you grow up in a bubble like that, when that's all you know, you don't know that it's wrong. Right. It's it's what's normal. It's what's normal for you. You grow up in this box. The box is all you know. So I didn't even know it was wrong. I, I thought this was normal life. I'd see my friend's parents after school or whatever it is, and I'd watch them, and I'd kind of see the same things because it's something that's hidden behind closed doors. Right. You know, it's it's not something that just sticks out like a sore thumb. And so I didn't know the difference. Um and the sheriff, when he sat down with me, he, he asked me one question at the very end. And he said, do you want to keep living with your father? And if I say yes, then things stay the same way they are living with both my mom and my dad, um, going back and forth between the two houses. And if I say no, then if I wanted to, I could basically never see him again. Mm-hmm. And I'm only 15 years old, but I, I thought about it. I thought about it for a minute and I thought about my two younger brothers and I thought about my best friend who had literally seen everything. The thing is with him is that he didn't know the difference either because he, he's an only child and he grew up with just him and his mom. His Mm -hmm. dad left the house when he was less than a year old. He had only met his dad once or twice in his entire life. And he was a little spoiled brat (laughs) and I knew it and he knew it. I, I didn't know much in that life, but I knew he was a spoiled brat. Right. And I knew that he didn't have hardly any structure whatsoever. His mom was working and he would kind of just do his own thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. I thought about my two brothers and I knew that I took the brunt of everything. And if things kept going the way they were, then at least my brothers would have structure. At least they would have the ability to do chores and cook basic foods. Cause those were things that I did around the house. I taught them how to cook. I taught them how to do laundry. I taught cause I had to learn those things. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, yes, I, I do want to continue li- living with my dad because I know how important it is. And so, um, and so he went and he, uh, he, he talked to my dad a couple of days later, I guess. Um, my dad never knew that, that I was the one that told somebody and he was the one that fought a report. Um, he never, at least he never said anything to me about it. And my dad never touched me again. Huh. From that day forward. So I gave my life to, to Christ. And heavy music, love that they shared, that's what kept me going. And that's the same love that I want to bring through through Broken FM, which is named Broken FM because it's music for broken people. Right. I, I don't know how much more broken you can get in this life, but I, I could, I've been close. Right. And so years later, I'm 21 years old, and I still have more passion than ever for the music that I listen to. Because it's touched my life in a way that hardly any humans have even done. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the same. I've met a lot of people in the scene who are just broken. A lot of people who don't know Christ. And that's what these bands want to do. The bands that that we promote on Broken FM, the bands that I like to share, the bands that I love to listen to, they write really, really awesome music so that people who don't know Christ want to listen to it. And they can hear the message of love. They can be encouraged. Um, and I think, that's the, I think that's the number one thing. It's the passion behind the music. It's the love behind the music. It's the honesty there of saying, I've been broken. I've made mistakes. I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. But this is what I have to offer you is the love of Jesus Christ. When we have situations like what happened with As I Lay Dying. Mm-hmm. There is a betrayal of sorts 
that people feel when it comes to hearing things about this band that you felt was being honest. I mean, there's a lot that you're saying in this that, that I get to where, you know, there's, there's honesty, there's truth in the lyrics. There's, there's a lot of that going on. But then when you find that there's a band out there who's been phoning it in, in order to maintain a level of um, popularity, how does that impact the, the hardcore scene? And is there a, um, like, is there quick forgiveness if if it's asked of them? And, and I mean, that hasn't happened with As I Lay Dying. Tim's never come out and said, hey, I'm sorry for lying to my fans. Uh, he's kind of skirted the, the subject for the most part. Where where does the community go in those instances and what do they do? I, I'm kind of I'm making a lot well, see, of questions in one statement. But no, that's, I, I got you. You know, see, here's the thing. He was being honest. It, to to an extent, I'm not the biggest Azalea Dying fan. I never was, but I did listen to their earlier records and I did listen to their albums as they came out. With their earlier albums, it was easy for me to to hear the message of God in it. It was easy. Mm-hmm. Then they would release another record and it would be a little bit muddy, and then they would release another record and I would hear a couple of songs and be like, you know what, that's not right. Like he is being with his music, mm-hmm. lyrically speaking. I think he was being honest to what he felt the entire time. Okay. And for me, being a little bit more familiar with maybe the word of God than he was when he was trying to kill his wife, um, I knew that there were a lot of things off. And there was one point, um, I don't remember the name of the record, but when they released the album, I listened to it one time and I said, these guys aren't a Christian band anymore. And that was probably a year and a half, two years before everything blew up. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So from that point forward... I had a lot of doubts about who they were. Um, so when it all happened, I actually wasn't surprised. I was surprised that it was as bad as it was, but I wasn't surprised <laughs> that they were coming out and basically saying we're not a Christian band anymore. Right. Same thing with Under Earth. They're still my favorite band. I love them. Spencer Chamberlain has not been a Christian for many years, and I knew that. Um, I could tell with Define the Great Line that the majority of the band was on point. Mm-hmm. Then they put out Lost in the Sound of Separation. And I could tell that Aaron Gillespie was on point. And I could see through interviews and through um, fan interaction, through the things that were being said off stage as well as on stage, that Aaron Gillespie and um, Grant and Chris were all on point, but Spencer Chamberlain and a couple of the other guys just didn't care. They, they weren't trying to preach the gospel. They weren't trying to do anything. Aaron said in an interview that as long as I play drums— I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, after Lost in the Sound of Separation was released. Um, but Spencer Chamberlain, on the other hand, is, is saying nothing of, of the sort. And his lyrics and the album match that. They, they match that feel. Then they put out O Disambiguation. And you could tell that the band was in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, under Oath, Azalea Dying, there's a few other bands. O Sleeper, O Sleeper did the same thing. Um, I still love their music. I still love what they're about. Um, but Shane Belay, the uh, lead guitarist and um, clean vocalist, he just doesn't care about religion. Um, their harsh vocalist, on the other hand, he still seems good. They kind of fell off the face. They, they're kind of in nowhere's land right, right. now. Right. Haven't, haven't heard anything haven't from heard him for a while. Anything about Micah 
for a very long time. Yeah. But the last I talked to him, um, he was, he was good. I talked to him at a show and he was super cool. Um, and definitely on point, but so bands do this and that's not, it's not necessarily something in the hardcore scene. Like if a band were to come out and say, Hey, I'm sorry, I would forgive them. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, okay, but let's, let's, let's go one step further Then the band says, I'm sorry, but then the music that they make still has that ambiguity to it, to where, you know, they're still trying to sell it in the Christian market or whatever, you know, I mean, is, does it still seem to be disingenuous in that regard? How, I guess it's how far, you know, Jesus, somebody asked Jesus, how many times do we forgive? And, and they said seven, which they, of course, thought was being generous. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, you know? So, I mean, that's one of those things that um, it's it's kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> How how far do we how far do we let this go? Do we forgive and then see what the changes are? And if nothing changes, do we then say, well, that's fine. You know what? They can do what they want. I'm just I'm not going to support it anymore. I've forgiven the people that have hurt me the most in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've been over that for many years. And that's something that I that's something that I don't have to worry about anymore. And I can just live my life at peace. Um, And so I feel like. With, with that in mind and with what Jesus said about forgiveness, I think it's our duty as Christians to be able to forgive. Now, the thing is with the Christian market is that once you're into it, it's very, very, very difficult to leave. Right. The band can straight up come out and say, line up all five members of the band and each one down the line can deny Christ and say, I am not a Christian. And a quarter to half of the Christian listening audience will still say, oh, this is a Christian band. <laughs> because they just don't pay attention or they right. don't know or whatever right. the reason is the band can just the band can straight out come and say we are not a christian band and they will still get played in christian circuits because once you enter this scene it's from my experience it is very difficult to leave mm-hmm. um and so if a band were to come out and say we are not christians i would forgive them but i would cut airplay i haven't played as they dying on broken fm since I got here, mm-hmm. I, I haven't played them. Um, they were in rotation for a while just because they were in the system. But whenever I was, uh, whenever I was there or whenever I saw it, I would just remove them and put in something else Yeah, on like a Saturday night. They might play when I'm not paying any attention or whatever it is. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I want to forgive because that's my personality. That's who I am. That's what I'm called to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no right answer. Okay. Well, that's, uh, you know, I'm just curious. There's, there's a lot of people that have different, uh, stances on some of those aspects of, uh, the whole, as I lay dying kerfuffle, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a big deal, but you wonder, you know, okay, woven war has certainly not come out and said that they are Christians. Oh, they're definitely not a Christian band, but because Shane Blay was affiliated with those sleeper, People in the Christian band, Christian circuit are like, oh, check out this band, Woven War. Right. Internet, whatever. Um, because he was affiliated with O Sleeper because he was in the band, therefore he must be a Christian. It's like once you leave, you know, once you enter, you just can't leave. You yeah. can't get out of it. The assumption is always going to be that, uh, oh, well, they're still, uh, you know, they're still included in that whole uh, in that whole genre of mm-hmm. music. Let's, um, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, Kirk in the chat room says, uh, Spotify did a study that concluded that hardcore fans are the most, are the most loyal fans of all music genres. Agree or disagree? 
I, well, I'm going to say agree. <laughs> I mean, there's no two ways about that. I'm going to say agree. I like I work for a radio station and I get tons of music for free. But when I go out to a show, I buy a T-shirt. I buy a sweatshirt. I buy a, C- a CD. I drop 50 bucks in their tip jar. Yeah. I support these bands because I love what they do. It, it's not because of who... I mean, I guess it is because of who they are, but it's not because I work for a radio station or I know all these different bands or I love this music. Like I straight up love these guys. And a lot of people in the scene, in the scene uh, feel the same way. Yeah. We support each other. Um, And I don't like the only other place that I've seen show that kind of support is the one, one, six click, which I adore their fan. (laughs) And like, I I love what they're doing. They're great. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of the way it's been since the beginning, since the beginning of the scene. Like, you go out to a country show, and you might see some cowboy boots and cowboy hats, but that's not because they're trying to support the artists. That's right. because they want to be country. Right. You go out to a heavy metal show in the 90s, and you're going to see leather jackets um, and uh, Carhartt jackets with band logos and uh, patches all over them. And they're going to be buying buying merch and supporting the artists. It's been that way from the beginning. Um, it's a group of people who don't feel accepted in a lot of modern society. A lot of these kids will never set foot in a church, but feel loved when they go to a Christian hardcore show. Yeah, they they hear they hear Christ's message um, from people that they're willing to listen to, versus going to a church or mm-hmm. going to a youth group or going to a Christian event of some kind. Um, okay. Where do the, where does the line go though? Uh, let's, let's think about this. You know, we've discussed a few times on episodes in the past, uh, you know, between Paul and I, and between a couple other guys that the, some of the problem that we have with belief today or faith today is that we are sometimes looking to the wrong people to be educated about that faith. And in this case, you know, the the phrase is that we've replaced theologians with artists in that we allow the artists to teach us the theology that theologians should be teaching us. So when we've got bands like these out there that are that are in fact and actually proclaiming the gospel and the grace and and acceptance and and all of that 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 Jesus Christ offers but these kids are only getting that message from them then is it the responsibility of the band to try and steer them towards a place where they can actually get the milk they need in order to be able to begin to grow. And do you know of any bands that may be doing that kind of thing? Or is the band just saying, Hey, come to us. We'll teach you what you need to know. Cause honestly, that's not the band's responsibility. <laughs> not at all. Um, absolutely. Um, you're absolutely right about that. The bands are not the place to go for your theology. They're human too. But and I say that about any the, Christian band. Oh, absolutely, I mean, from, absolutely. From Toby Mac, you know, from from Toby Mac to Francesca Battistelli to to um, 
Skillet to Red to Disciple. You know, all of these guys are great at sharing the gospel in their music and from the stage and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about that next step. And I know you understand that, Dustin. I just want to make sure that the listeners understand. I'm not just talking about hardcore here. I'm talking about everybody, but we'll use this in a hardcore sense. Absolutely. So I think, um, how do I want to go about this? I guess the, the show itself is the intro step. It's the first step. It's the first time you're hearing the gospel or maybe the first time you take it in. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it is your job to, to go to a church or find your friends around you who are Christians because there's bound to be people in the room who have a little bit more information um, and get involved with a local church. If you're not involved with the church, there's no fellowship there. There's no community. There's, there's no growth. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you are looking at it in just a hardcore sense or an, a, music, a Christian music in general sense, you're only going to get one side of things. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at Hillsong United and that's the first time you hear Christ and that's all you get, you're only going to get a part of the worship side of things, but you're not going to get any of the other stuff. If you're only getting it from the... the from certain metal band scene, um, then you, you might be getting honesty and you might be getting the, Hey, we're sinners too. But there's a part of that in me that says, well, that's, that's not an excuse though. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody doesn't know the word of God and if somebody is just hearing it for the first time, there are certain songs and certain bands that if they were to hear those first, um, then they might think, Oh, well then I guess if I have grace, then it's, okay to be a sinner because that's what i am Mm -hmm. there's a there's a part of me not all of me um wolves at the gate they are almost almost abrasive in the way that they just show jesus everywhere they go (laughs) like it is right up in your face you you don't see it stronger in in anywhere basically the dudes um just want to share the love of God. Was it a show in San Francisco a while back that they were playing? Um, their van got broken into. They had thousands of dollars of merch stolen. They still walked on stage um, and preached the gospel of Christ like never before. Like the guys, the guys are relentless. They do not stop. Right. Um, and if you it, like, they do, they do, they do want to invite you to talk to the band afterwards. And one of the one of the first questions that are going to ask you is. Are you involved with the church? They're they're gonna they are gonna ask you to come talk to them after the set to uh, to get to know you a little bit more. But they are going to steer you towards the church mm-hmm. because that's what you need. Um, and I think a lot of these bands in the scene do understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the responsibility of the listener to take that initiative, ask the questions, and to step out and get involved. Right. I guess the the crux of what I'm getting at in this particular instance is that uh, there's not enough artists that are steering people towards churches. And, you know, getting people saved is one thing, but it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, conversations after the concert at the merch table for bands that actually hang out at their own merch table. Uh, unfortunately, it's becoming more and more rare as bands get so popular um, that there becomes, you know, safety concerns or whatever the case may be. You know, it's just a, it's a matter of, I think all bands need to be connecting with local churches when they have a show. They need to try and connect with those local churches. And, and even, I would say, offer 
free admission to representatives allow these churches to have tables for people to come up and investigate and see if this is the the church that you're looking for, the church that you may find your fit with. Now, is that the band's responsibility or is that the local church's responsibility? Well, okay, it may be the local church's responsibility to do that, but I think... um, because hmm. if these bands are playing months, well, months of okay. shows, so how about the promoter? Yeah, the promoter should know the area that they are sending the band or bringing. You know, odds are the promoters are typically local-ish. Mm-hmm. So I would think, as part of the promotion of the concert, I would think getting the local churches involved and offering a ticket or two to have people come and have a table, host a table about their church would not be anything overreaching. I just, I feel like everybody in the music business takes the mainstream mindset that it becomes so much about the money that it doesn't, um, you know, that the, the afterthought of, you know, hey, great disciple did an altar call and that's fantastic. What's happening to those kids after the altar call, where are they going? Who is shepherding them? I look at things like Rock of Ages, and while I, I'm not always impressed with the the folks that they have on the stage, like the bands that they choose to come and play, sometimes it's like, oh, there'd be so many better bands to be able to come and, and do this. The one thing I do appreciate about Rock of Ages is the people that do go forward and that do um, claim to come to Christ, they fill out a card with their address on it. That card is then turned over to the local church in their community. And it's the responsibility of the church then to follow up with those people to try to bring them into the fold. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that we should see more of at these kinds of concerts. And I, you know, there's gotta be somebody who can run point. Um, you know, Kirk says, uh, that, that, that it's tricky. They're presenting their view of the gospel to thousands of people, but like, um, what's been said, they are just people on a journey yeah. as well, yeah. you know? So yes, I, I agree with that. It is tricky. And I think that you've got to walk that line <laughs> in a very careful way. I mean, because there's, there's a lot of different denominations of Christianity. So, I mean, it's, it's where it, you know, where, where do you walk that line? I think that the, the big thing that we all have to kind of come together around is, Christ, his deity first, his death, his burial, his resurrection. You know, if we can come together on those four points, then we should be able to agree on the crux of salvation. I think you're I think you're right. But I think there's a point that you've missed. Fill um, me in. And that's the fact that if we're speaking about the hardcore scene, um, the promoters are not Christians. And a lot of people in the scene are very hostile towards Christianity. Um, at the same Wolves at the Gate show in San Francisco that they got broken into, when they were preaching the gospel, they had people arguing with them. <laughs> they had people yelling back at them, telling them to get off stage. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Wow. They had people um, telling them to stop talking and just play more music. One of the guys is like, I paid for my ticket. I didn't pay to hear you stand on stage and, and preach at me. No, you He's, paid for your ticket to come and see me. And what I decide to do from the stage is my choice. And that was pretty much the response that they gave. Um, you know, it, he's like, yeah, you, you paid for your ticket to see the show. 
but my time, I only have 20 minutes on stage. My time is my time. Right. And I'm going to keep talking as long as I want to. You might have paid five, 10 bucks for your ticket, but we just lost thousands of dollars in merch and drove thousands of miles to get here. Right. We're going to do what we want with our time. Right. And we want you to know the love of God, basically. And a lot of the people on the scene are very hostile towards religion. That's my basic, my basic point here. I know a few promoters in the area, not a single one is Christian, but they love working with me because that gets more people out to shows. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the, the after the fact that they care about. It's the beforehand. It's gotcha. the getting people through the door. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it it's more the local church's responsibility to get out and have people at the show, whether it's just somebody like me or people who, who know the gospel a little bit more, but people who are just there to talk to people, hang out with the bands, encourage them. If I'm in a local show and I know Wolves at the Gate or Mouth of the South or Silent Planner or whoever it is pretty decently, mm-hmm. I can talk to the band and say, hey, you know, if anybody here wants to get involved with the church, like send them my way. And I can help direct them to to people in the area. And I, I do believe that there are people like that at a lot of these shows. Um, Nick Burroughs is at every local show he can be at. <laughs> yes. He's a great connection in the area. Totally. And there there are more people all over the country who are willing with this stuff. There's actually a group called RIFO. Have you heard of them? No, I have not. So RIFO, I don't know what it stands for, R-Y-F-O. Um, but basically, they house bands. They're, so they go out to the show. They hang out with the bands. They're all involved with the local church to be part of RIFO. First of all, you have to be married. You have to be over 25 or 30 years old. Um, you have to have stable income income and a house that you can have people over at, whatever. Um, and mainly, you, you have to be involved with your local church. Gotcha. So the RIFO people will, will come out to their local show. Um, they'll hang out with the band, talk to people at the show invite whoever it is over whether it be one band two band a couple of random people um have them stay at their house cook for them let them shower let them wash their clothes and then send them on their way awesome and that's an organization throughout the entire country that is housing bands like wolves at the gate and mouth of the south and all of these smaller non-huge mainstream metal bands and other bands just of different genres um rifle is a really really cool organization when i when i went down to face down uh face down fest last year not this year but last year um i actually stayed at a rifle house i contacted the organization i said hey you know i'm going down by myself do you have anyone i can stay with um and i hung out with a few of the bands i drove them around the city helped them get where they needed to go stayed at the house just took a sleeping bag and slept on the couch and it was great <laughs> it was a lot of fun sounds um, like it uh, sounds like a very cool uh a very cool prospect you know it's the kind of thing that i would love to see you know we have a granny unit above my garage mm-hmm. and it's currently being rented by my sister mm-hmm. but i keep thinking you know someday if if we ever make enough money to where we don't need to to rent out that place um that's the kind of thing that I would love to see us do is is either open it up to missionaries who come uh, to stay in the area with that are associated with our church to give them kind of a home away from home. But, uh, you know, to be able to open it up for bands to be able to use. Can you imagine a, a band having their own crash pad, like not just sleeping on some stranger's living room floor, but like having a room and a kitchen you could make yourself breakfast in the morning you know a free a refrigerator that kind of stuff i think it'd be a lot of uh you know a a lot of uh cool aspects to that i think that uh, a lot of bands would like that i think they would love that 
So, well, we are going to take a quick break and listen to what it is that uh, Kirk has to share with us on the other stuff this week. Uh, but coming up, we've got uh, a study that we're going to talk about that Dustin kind of quantifies uh, some of the listeners of hardcore music. Uh, before we go, though, uh, Bruce says uh, St. Francis of Assisi said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you must, then use words. So uh, I think that's a great thought to take us into our next little segment. Dustin Kincher is known as the lead singer of Thrice and former worship leader at Mars Hill. He's released a couple of solo albums in the past that settle more on the Americana range of music. So I was surprised when I listened to his latest effort, Carry the Fire, that it rocked. Now, we're not talking thrice rock. Think more pop, garage, rock sensibility style stuff. The album still has a very raw, edgy Americana feel that has become a signature of his solo work. The album does have its acoustic moments that bring back glimpses of his previous albums. In a year of so few music releases, this album has been a bright spot for rock music. It projects a bit of a Springsteen vibe of adventure, fun, and urgency. And if you don't like Springsteen, that's okay. Neither do I. And Kendra sings a lot better. It just has that same kind of vibe of some of Springsteen's radio hits. Carry the Fire, the latest solo album from Dustin Kinsroop, is available everywhere now. This has been Captain Kirk with The Other Stuff for the Rock and the Hard Place podcast. Thank you, Kirk. Appreciate that very, very much. Um, you know, Dustin's done some stuff in the past that I liked with Thrice. I was not a huge, you know, super huge Thrice fan personally. Um, lyrically, I think he's really good, so I certainly don't, um, I certainly don't mind listening to him. But musically, just never really hit me. And when he did some of his solo stuff at first, like he had a Christmas album that, or and a worshipy kind of thing. It just did not hit me anywhere near where I wanted it to. Uh, you know, just not my thing. But I, li- I liked the worship album. The Christmas music for me is just weird. <laughs> but <laughs> I just find it weird. But the, I liked the worship album, and I don't usually listen to worship music. I think him and Aaron Gillespie. Okay. Those are the two worship albums that, are, that I like the most. Yeah. Now, I haven't listened to them in a while because I don't actively go listen to worship music. But right. the, if I had to pick, those would be the two. Oh, good deal. Well, you uh, you talked to me the, earlier this week uh, when we were kind of discussing what we were going to do for this episode, and you pulled up a study that was from a school over in the UK, and it made some comparisons to people um, who listen to the different genres of music and certain aspects about 
that they could kind of extrapolate about their lives and their demeanors and that kind of stuff. So let's kind of chat about that a little bit, and then we'll move in to start talking about some actual bands that you think are just crushing it right now. Yeah, so I actually tried to go and find this actual um, study again last night to reread it. I found a different one, got really distracted, read halfway through it, <laughs> and then decided that it was not something that I wanted to talk about. I don't even remember what it was about. Like It was really interesting in the moment, and then I finished it, and I was like, well, I kind of already knew all this information, and there was <laughs> there was nothing new here or even really all that interesting. Um, so, you know, whatever. It happens, but I got distracted. Um, anyway, guy named Adrian North. He's a professor at Harriet Watt University in the, in the UK. Um, he did a study with over, like, 36,000 people um, to to check personality types. And so what he basically did is he had um, he had everybody take part over a three-week period. He did an opening survey and a closing survey, um, just asking basic questions. How old are you? Uh, race, gender, where are you from, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, preferred musical taste. Um, and then over the course of the three weeks, they would get random text messages. And when they got that text message, they would stop whatever they're doing. Um, they'd sit down and they'd fill out a short survey um, that just had simple questions like, have you been listening to music? Um, how much control scale of one to 10 did you have over the music that you were listening to? How has your mood changed in the last hour or so? Um, and, and just simple questions like that. And so through that through the course of the three weeks, with all with all the different people involved, um, they were able to break the people up into different listening audiences of different uh, genres, uh-huh. and then kind of get a little bit about their personality. Um, so I pulled up a summary a summary here of kind of some of the different genres of uh, what the survey said, how musical preference is tied to personality. Now, this is just the results of the survey, not necessarily how they're connected to music. Okay. Um, so for example, blues fans, people who like blues music, they've got high self-esteem, they're creative, outgoing, gentle, and at ease. That kind of makes sense. Sure. Classical music fans have high self-esteem, they're creative, they're introverted, and they're at ease. Now, what I find interesting is when you get down to rock and heavy metal, it says they have low self-esteem, they're, they're, they are creative, says they're not hard walk, not hard working, which I find completely wrong. Um, <laughs> they're not outgoing, so they're introverted. They're gentle and they're at ease. Okay. Now the similarities here between classical and heavy metal are very very similar. Now this summary doesn't say it as well as the actual survey does, um, but classical musical fans are uh, more confident okay. than metal fans. They're both introverted. They're both calm and at ease. And they're both gentle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're both creative. Creative is another one. Um, in a lot of ways, they're very, very similar. Now, what I would attribute to the difference would be age. Okay. They found that in the survey that people who listen to heavy music were between the age of 15 and 25 versus people who like classical music were between the ages of 55 and 85. Okay. So I would attribute the confidence boost to experience. That makes sense to me. I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing in life. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I know I love music and I know I know God. Those are basically the only things I know in life. So 
I don't have a lot of confidence. I am introverted, which is why it's weird being on camera right now. <laughs> I'm not good at small talk. I was I was at my church a couple of weeks ago, um, sitting with the youth group. A couple of guys asked me, you know, so how's life? How's work? And I'm like, oh, you know, good. Yeah. Good. It's it's going. One word answers, one <laughs> syllable answers. I, like, I know that. They're like, you're, you're really interesting. I'm like, well, I'm bad at talking. They all just started laughing. Right. It, they're like, what do you mean you're bad at talking? Like, you're like, okay, okay, rephrase, <laughs> rephrase. I'm bad at small talk. Oh, okay, okay, we got you. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, that's kind of the personality. And people who like classical music are kind of the same in a lot of that. Um, I don't know a lot of older people who listen to a lot of classical music, but I do my, I do, I do know my great grandparents. And I do look up to them more than anybody in my life. I said that earlier. Um, and they're the calmest, most at peace, most loving, gentle people I've ever met. My great-grandfather, you could put him on stage and he could preach for hours. But he won't say a word unless he's asked. Oh, is that right? He, yeah, he won't. He'll just sit there in peace. Um, and and he loved more than anything. I could just see it in his eyes and the way he talked to me afterwards. Um, he loved more than anything to, than to see me and my brother succeed. Mm-hmm. He loved more than anything to, than to, to see me stand on stage after one of the mission trips I've been on. I've actually been on five um one in one in middle school to tijuana um the new mexico idaho hawaii on a uh, village gardening just hope trip Mm -hmm. um and then six months in india and my great-grandfather loved nothing more than to see me on stage talking about that trip talking about the word of god talking to the the men's group whatever it was um he took pride in that, and I could see in his eyes, and I, I like, I love him. I love him. Um, <laughs> see, that kind of stuff makes you want to continue to serve because you know that you're carrying on that legacy of love. Absolutely. I want to be like him, and one day I want to be looking at my great-grandkids and seeing them do the same thing that I did when I was young. Yeah. Like, that, that's amazing to me. But, but back on the subject of the, of the survey, like, people listen to classical music and people listen to heavy music are very similar. The the genres themselves are very similar, just on the bare minimum basic scale of what music is. They've got the same scales, the same, um, I guess you could say jazz influences, which jazz took influence from classical. Heavy music took influence from jazz. Jazz took influence from everything else around it. Yeah, I was going to say, jazz Um, (laughs) kind of became, jazz was kind of like the melting pot of just about every different style of music kind of all mixed up together. And then it was like, okay, so we've got these normal chords here and a few flats and a few sharps. But you know what? We're going to pretty much make everything flat or sharp or we're going to do this crazy harmonic. And and we're just going to, we're going to call it jazz. And so it's, you know, it's basically kind of like... I compare it to like a jambalaya. Yeah. Okay. With a jambalaya, you can throw anything into the pot and that makes it a jambalaya. There is no like tried and true jambalaya recipe. It's pretty much what's in the kitchen refrigerator. Okay. It's going into the pot and here's your food for the night. That's kind of how I see jazz. And so everybody pulls off a little bit of that. The The idea of of uh, rock and, and metal and, and hardcore listeners being lazy, do you think that stems from the uh, idea that the, the rock music uh, initially was born out of rebellion? It was uh, it, it was supposedly this this rebellion against what mainstream society was saying uh 
was the the best kind of music. Everybody, um, you know, everybody would have would would have just claimed that there was this rebellious attitude. Yeah. So let's let's compare classical music people with heavy metal people. Classical people, um, they're older, so they might be in retirement. They might be still working in their career. They might have worked their career for 40 or 50 years. Okay. They might be farmers. They might be whatever it is, but they've worked their entire life. Mm -hmm. Heavy metal music people are younger. Many of them aren't out of high school yet. Maybe that stem of laziness is coming from misunderstanding how how hard school is today. I'm not sure there. I guess we just won't talk about them. Mm -hmm. Um, But the 18, the out of high school, 18 to 25 year olds, most of them haven't held the same job for more than a year, yeah. for more than two years. Um, and I think it's more so the individualist attitude of this generation um, than it is necessarily the personality traits of people who listen to this kind of music. So if you're looking at it from the outside and you're seeing people listen to classical music or um, jazz music or blues or... Uh, what are some of the old, some of the older ones? Soul. Um, there are people who've who've been working for a really long time. They've held well, the and even gospel. Even you know? gospel. I mean, you go back to the go back to the to the slave times with uh, with true authentic gospel music. You know the the stuff that was being sung out in the fields, which honestly is amazing to me. Just the sheer fact that a group of people could be treated so miserably. And yet still seem to have so much joy and confidence in God that they could do this work that they were being forced into doing and beaten if they didn't do well enough and still stand out there and sing these praises. I mean, that kind of stuff just uh, that constantly blows my mind. And maybe it's been glamorized to a degree, but I don't think as much um, as we might think that it has. You know, I I think that Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it than uh, some people would like to believe. I just think it, I, as far as the, the not hardworking thing, it has to do with more so the young age of the people listening to it um, and the attitude of our current society mm-hmm. where it's, it is really all about me right. for these kids, for a lot of, for a lot of us. Um, I've been working since I was 14. My first job, I was 14 and a half years old. I started working with the, the catering company that my dad worked for. Um, I did busser work and I did the the groundwork stuff. And I'm, since then, I've held a job um, my entire life. I worked for there for t- two years. Out of high school, I worked for a uh, another place for two years. And I've currently been working for BJ's for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I understand that, that I need to work. Um, and a lot of the kids in my age understand that, too. They just don't like being in the same place for a long time. They get right. antsy. Right. They want to move. They want to do more stuff. Um, and because of that all about me attitude, you've got a lot of focus on um, how many friends do I have and and how many, you know, when's the next party and when can I go do the next thing? Right. It's less so about I need to look at a 401k and I need to start saving money in my bank and I need to start doing all these smart decisions for the rest of my life um, or find a career. Because they just want to have fun right now. Mm-hmm. And so if the young people are all doing that, all of the heavy music people are going to fall into that category. Right. And it's going to look like we're not hardworking when I think we are. <laughs> Plus, a lot of society doesn't see um, touring in a band as a legitimate job. Right. 
Well, and our workflow has changed. I mean, you think about how much work is done now via sitting at a desk and punching keys on a computer uh, or, you know, sitting behind a, a tractor where the tractor's doing most of the work. Um, you know, there, there's this impression that that's not difficult, but those jobs can be just as tiring as being outside digging a ditch with a shovel. Mm -hmm. So I think of that, that our sense, the, the generation that is now listening to classical music is a very much nose to the grindstone, hands on the tools, digging the holes, doing those kinds of, of things. And they see the way that we work as being different. We're kind of more about working hard, uh, smarter and not necessarily harder. So with those societal shifts, you're going to find an older generation that's not as accepting uh, of the style of work and, and not thinking that it's as hard as it actually is. Mental work is tough. It may not be tough, like physically on the muscles, on the body. But uh, when I get out of the office at the end of the day, I'm tired. My brain is tired and I don't want to go do anything else, um, you know, because of because of that feeling. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, we are going to take another break and listen to Tom's review for this week. Uh, and fittingly enough, he actually reviewed the new Haste the Day album. Which is absolutely phenomenal. Well, I love it. That's good. It's so good. So uh, let us check out what it is that Tom has to say about the new Haste the Day. And hopefully this one will work on the first try. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. And a hot place. New music. A lot of bands these days like to break up and a few years later make an epic comeback. I'm not sure why this is, but at times it seems like a publicity stunt. A band goes away, fans make a big deal about said band breaking up, and then the announcement comes that said band is reuniting for a new album and tour and all is happy in the world again. Why these bands don't just go on a hiatus and admit that for now they're not going to be doing any touring and any albums and they'll see what comes up in the future. Instead we get farewell tours and the idea that the band is never coming back. And sometimes that's the case. I really thought Haste the Day was done and over with. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad some bands do make that comeback. I just find the big deal they make at the time of breaking up is a lot of the time unnecessary and kind of ployish. I'm already anticipating an Amberlin return. Haste the Day's newest effort, Coward, is a crowdfunded effort that saw them easily reach their requested goal. It is a neat package of 11 digestible hard rock and metal tracks. While there are some tracks that haven't really caught on to me yet, it's a solid record, I will say that much. This is also the return of Jimmy Ryan, Haste the Day's first vocalist. He duels it out from time to time with Stephen Keach, who is the current vocalist of Haste the Day. Coward instantly has a different sound from its predecessor, Attack of the Wolf King. Coward draws its production values back a bit from the polished and sleek design of Wolf King. The rawer than before guitars give Coward a bit of a Zayo vibe, in my opinion, even a little more chaotic at times. The opening track, Begin, features primarily Stephen Keach over battering ran riffs and shotgun-fired drum beats. Begin is a decent opener. However, I was surprised how long it took for me to come around to this song. 
I wasn't a big fan of Keech's vocals as they sounded more monotonous than usual. I actually liked Keech more than Ryan in the vocal department during the previous albums, but on Begin here with Coward, Keech just sounds out of his groove. No good high and lows, he's missing the shrieks and the deep guttural projections from earlier work. Begin is an okay track, but then Jimmy Ryan takes over with Take and it shocked and delivered huge. Jimmy Ryan is all over this song with massive vocals, along a backdrop of metal guitars and punk rock drum patterns. This song screamed Zayo. The raw guitar that I mentioned really made this song feel like it could have been taken from Zayo's 06 release, The Fears What Keeps Us Here, which is my personal favorite Zayo album. Take is a solid track and would have been an insane opener. Circle Pit lovers rejoice, this song takes your breath away. The title track, Coward, starts out mid-tempo and catches wind of stuttering riffs. For the most part, Coward is a down-the-middle song with a catchy chorus. Before coming to a complete halt, it is closed out with some clean guitar riffs that are pretty soothing on the ears. Keach takes vocals on this song, and they're actually a little more flushed out than on Begin. Shadow is a mid-tempo track, opening with Ryan's sharp growls over some sludgy, murky guitar riffs. Keach seems to take over during the verses, but Ryan and Keach duel it out during the course. Some female vocals are added to really give this track an extra layer of life. The metallic breakdowns work as a backdrop against Ryan's in-your-face vocals, mixed with some light female vocal chanting and those sludgy riffs carrying out the song before Keach kicks in and takes the song to a very dramatic close. Another Jimmy Ryan-led track is Accept. This song sounds like a When Everything Falls B-side from 2005. If you're a big fan of Early Haste of the Day, you will most definitely fall in love with this track. Except is taken straight from the Haste of the Day playbook and is a standout track. Very heavy, yet melodic as most tracks are. Jimmy's vocals on this album are much more developed and much more powerful throughout Coward than ever before. I wish he had a more dominant presence throughout Coward. Whether Haste of the Day are really here to stay will have to be determined. It would be nice to see this as a permanent reincarnation of the band. With Jimmy and Steven taking reins on the vocals, their sound is more epic than ever. Jimmy Ryan has really stepped up his game since 05's When Everything Falls. I didn't feel Keech was as sharp on this album as previous entries. I would have liked to see more deliberate vocal duels between Ryan and Keech, and really have mixed it up, as their vocals for the most part were fairly formulaic. Ryan sings this part, Keech sings that part. That's where I find that this album sometimes falls short, is that it isn't quite as grand scale as I had thought. Keech does dominate most vocal parts, but it would have been nice to have an even blend throughout each song, because each vocalist has such a unique and dramatically different voice. I wouldn't consider this a true metalcore album, as there are a lot of different influences laced throughout the album, such as hard rock, metal, hardcore, and some airy atmospheric influences as well. Overall, the song structures manage to differentiate themselves pretty well. Not every song is an onslaught of power chords, blast beats, and riffs. The stripped back production feels deliberate, and I feel as though it served Jimmy Ryan better than Stephen Keach. At times, this album felt like everything from classic Haste the Day all the way through to Zayo. Some tracks are a bit forgettable, namely Begin and Reconcile. Haste the Day are back for now, and I really hope this is something that's going to recur. I'm not sure if the plan was just to release this album and disappear again or not, but it's a new record, and I'm not going to complain. I'm feeling three and a quarter rocks out of five, a welcome reunion of one of Christian Rock's better modern metal groups. All right, thank you, Jay, for that review. Appreciate it very much. Uh, he gave it uh, four rocks out of five, if I remember correctly, so uh, sounds like he enjoyed it just like you did, Dustin. What um, what are some of those bands that you think are just crushing it right now? Um, you can go with some of the ones that people may already know, but you can also highlight some up-and-comers that uh, 
that you're kind of digging into that not a lot of people may have heard about yet. So, yeah. Um, first of all, if, if you're not into heavy music, but you kind of want one of those bands to check out that isn't going to be like way up in your face abrasive. A um, couple of bands that you should check out are a band called Atlas. They just signed with Face Down Records, which, by the way, um, Face Down, Solid State Records, Tooth and Nail Records. I love those guys. Um, the the high majority of their bands that they sign are just absolutely phenomenal uh, when it comes to just being a gospel centered band. Um, so like I'm I'm not afraid to say that I support Face Down Records. I support Solid State Records because the bands that they put out care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first of all, um, Adolis just signed with Face Down Records. Uh, I've never seen them live because they're a brand new band. Um, I don't know much about them other than the fact that they play with bands like my epic and um pill the band called rebuker and some of these other guys that are really 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 heavily gospel centered um and their new record is part hardcore part metal part piano part just like instrumental flowing um it's called into the sea and it like feels like the ocean in a way like you've got your crashing rocks and you've got your just straight calm. Okay. Um, and so they're they're really, really awesome. Uh, there's another band called Exiting the Fall, which is in the middle of a transitional period right now. They're going to be moving from the hardcore scene into the rock scene. Okay. Um, they put on an EP last year or a couple of months ago called uh, the Blood Bloodline EP. For the band, it's a farewell EP. But for the people that know a little bit more, it's a transitional EP. The band hasn't announced that they're changing formats yet. The band hasn't announced anything like that. But... Check out the Bloodline EP. It's really awesome. We talked about Wolves at the Gate earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one of the bands that gets played on both the hardcore show and the rock show uh, during the day at Broken FM. And they've kind of got that that middle ground feel. They're another one of those bands. Uh, Mouth of the South is really great. Just straight hardcore. Um, I, I love everything that they're about. Silent Planet, Phineas. I can keep going, but I'm going to stop now. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, you can you can continue to share. I know this is kind of, you know, because this is so much in your wheelhouse and you spend so much time working with, uh, you know, the labels and stuff, trying to get information about these bands, trying to get interviews with these bands, trying to deal with all of that aspect of it. Um, you know, I think it's awesome that uh, that you're so passionate about this. And I think you've given uh, the folks listening some great ideas of bands to be able to check out. Um, if somebody's on the fence about their feelings towards hardcore, uh, they want to get into it, but they're just not sure that it's worth investing their time in. Do you have any like words of wisdom to, to share with them about why they should consider, uh, at least investigating it further? No, the <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The, the reason being is that I don't want to, I don't want to like convince somebody to listen to hardcore music. I don't want to convince somebody to like join this scene. This is a place where you go when you're broken. This is a place where you go when you don't feel welcome in other places. This is a place where you go to, to find people that are like you. Okay. And so when you're making that journey in like, you don't just say, Oh, I'm going to listen to metal. And then just turn on your radio and hear a band and be like, okay, I'm devoting my life to this kind of music. Like <laughs> it's, it's a process. Like I said before, I started with Thousand Foot Crunch. I started with rock, started with Skillet, started with these bands falling up. I love falling up. Um, and 
moved into hardcore as the things in my life pushed me in that direction. And the hardest thing to get over is the vocals. Mm -hmm. It's screaming. It's yelling. It's growling. It's weird noises that you didn't know a human could make. And you're going to attribute them to sounding like a pig dying or something. (laughs) Like, they're noises... That that the average person is going to hear it and be like, what in the world is this? But to the person listening to it, it carries an emotion. It carries a feel that you can't get anywhere else. Right. And so if you are moving in that direction and you don't know where to start, um, check out Exiting the Fall. Check out Atlas. Check out Wolves of the Gate. Um, see what you think of those bands who are in that middle ground. And then if you if you really like them and you love listening to their music, yeah, there are plenty of other bands kind of in that same boat of things that are right in that middle ground that are easy to listen to once you get over that initial barrier. Um, and past that, I guess just like talk to somebody, you know, like gotcha. there, there are people around you. You can send me a Facebook message, um, send broken FM Facebook message and I'll give you 30 bands to check out. Um, but only 30, only, yeah, only 30. <laughs> um, I'll give you I'll give you bands similar to the ones that you already like that just that you can continue evolving in that sense through. But I'm not going to give you words of wisdom to be like, I want to listen to metal music because I love what you have to say or I love um, what these bands are about. Like there are rock bands that do that. There are acoustic bands that do that. My Epic um, from Indian Lakes. Mm -hmm. Those are mellow, mellow bands that I love. I love to listen to. Yeah. um, That have that same kind of lyrical feel they're just a different genre yeah yeah bruce says uh theocracy is kind of on the fringe uh you know that's a band that tim and i actually got to uh to talk to them uh, a couple of years ago and uh uh seems like nice guys and they definitely have good quality sound and they try really hard to maintain that so it's it's very very good theocracy is a little bit old school for me though a little bit okay. a little bit old school for okay. me i like zayo yeah i'll listen to some zayo there you go, there you go. <laughs> well dustin i want to say thanks for coming and hanging out on the show this week i know it was kind of last minute when paul let me know that uh, he wasn't going to be available and you were more than willing and of course had the time to be able to step in so everything worked out perfectly in everything, that regard everything worked out great So uh, I just want to say thanks for coming and and sharing your passion for hardcore. You know, it's one of those genres that I love that it exists for the people that love it. But for me personally, I don't get it, you know, and and obviously it's not for me in that regard. And I'm fine with that. I am so glad that there that it's out there for people. You know, I harsh on country music as not being music. And I say lots of negative comments about it and stuff like that. I'm I'm glad that it's out there for the people that like to listen to it. I just don't want to have to ever. listen to it um so i won't be moving to nashville anytime soon just in case anybody's wondering <laughs> you're not gonna not gonna go room with paul gibson no no i'm not going to room with paul gibson uh we want to thank our sponsors this week of this episode uh tweaked audio if you go to tweakedaudio.com because you're looking for a pair of headphones uh you can use the code hard place all one word and you will get 33 percent off of your order Not only that, we get a percentage of the sale, which helps us out tremendously. So we uh, appreciate the partnership with them. If you need any more info about the Rock in a Hard Place podcast, you can email us, rockinahardplacepodcast at gmail.com. That is one way to get a hold of us. You can uh, check us out at rockinahardplacepodcast.com, and that will auto-forward you to our Facebook page. That is currently the best way 
to be able to check us out. Uh, if you're if you want to listen to us and download, we're available in iTunes. We're available in Stitcher and we're available in Blueberry, as well as to those poor souls that are still using BlackBerry. Uh, yes, we upload to the BlackBerry podcast app as well. So you can check us out there. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for checking us out. We appreciate it. Have a great week. Uh, next week, we're taking off because I'm going to be camping. So uh, no show next week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll see you then.